You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio. Your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. Okay, let us begin, folks. All right. I'm going to say the prayer so everybody just go in your space real quick. Okay, you ready, hon? Okay, before Angel Rose begins and before we start asking questions, let me, for the benefit of those who are not familiar with the group Akashic Records, uh, say a few guidelines, just a little bit of housekeeping. We have a good number of people on the call today and everybody has questions. So we operate by way of a round robin. We'll ask one question and we go around each person in turn. And um, that way, hopefully, we we'll get everybody in today. In the event we don't get all the questions answered, we do like to roll them forward into a future event. So we will ask them at some future point if you miss it today. The next thing is that Angie Rose is not in a trance when she does these group Akashic record readings. There are a few people here who have done her training, and you will know that this is communication directly with source in through the Akashic records. And in that way, she's not channeling through any entity or any other being. And that's very helpful to know. And also it allows things to be very clear. So that's an important thing to mention. The other thing is that I will be taking notes throughout the session, even though it is being recorded. And at the end, I will give you a little bit of a summary of what we've covered today. I just want to say, as I was saying the prayer, I was looking at a few different colors today that appeared. And the first was purple and blue, and the next was red. So so blue is always a communication color, and it does indicate spiritual information. And purple is really a color of suffering. So when I saw that, I thought, oh boy, you know, we may be in for some stuff. And then uh, red is the color of can be anger, can be inflammation, but it's a hot color. So we'll just see where this goes, just to give you a little initial heads up. Okay, nice, go ahead. Okay, so Stephen's question in the beginning was about the many world problems that we're witnessing now, with potential conflicts with China, Russia, extremism, Taliban, all that kind of thing. Is that part of a greater plan. So what Source is saying is you have to understand you're in a planet of transition, a planet in transition, okay? Which means that everything's topsy-turvy right now. Everything is being basically turned upside down. Is a part of the greater plan. It's just a consequence of the time period that we're in. So he'd re I'd rather view it as a time as a consequence rather than a plan because a plan suggests that source is planning this and this, that's not the case. It's a consequence, okay, of the time period and of humanity itself. It is a great opportunity through all these things to really get your priorities straight, actually to for humanity to get its priorities straight 
and make decisions about what kind of world it wants to live in and what world kind of world it wants to see. The energies coming in from the sun and the cosmos are supporting huge transitions. And you can take that word to mean a lot of things. For some people, transition means death. And there will be people, more and more people, who do transition because that is their soul plan. And it also means um, shifting from one place to another. So that'll be happening also in the bigger picture. So you can expect a lot, really a lot of change. And uh, we cannot really put our focus on stability right now because that's not what's going on. Basically, it's a, it, everything is always an opportunity in life, no matter what you go through. And this is no different, but it does demand that we start to examine what kind of world we want to have. Okay. All right, Kim, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I wanted to know when dogs or animals pass, um, do they also come back as animals? Like, do they have plans to fulfill like we do, in a sense, a spirit plan, a soul plan? And can they reincarnate into human beings or just the animal kingdom? Uh, and basically... Just what happens to them? Animals do reincarnate. They can reincarnate as animals and also as people for specific soul purposes. Animals have interesting lifetimes because they actually live many more lifetimes than we do. And they can become all kinds of different animals. So I remembered that I did a psychic surgery session on a dog one time. When I went and looked into its field, it had been a lion in its past life, which explained a lot of its behavior this lifetime. So, yes, they do. They do shift into other animals. They do evolve in their being just like humans. Well, not just like humans, but in their way. Here's the example of, of um, my daughter had a friend who had a pig as a pet. Okay, and she wanted to know about her pig. Was her pig happy? Blah, blah, blah. Well, it's interesting because this pig had come to her in this lifetime because it was a protector because in a past life she had died in a fire. So this animal came back as a pig because its nose is close to the ground and it couldn't sense fire. So it actually came back to protect her and her family from fires this lifetime. But I have seen cases where an animal can be a human. Okay, it's not common. Mostly they reincarnate as animals. Okay, but it does happen occasionally. Okay. All right, let's go to Ilona. Ilona, do you have a question? I do. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. I guess my question is about with all of the change, all of the new energy coming in, are we being assisted by extraterrestrial brothers and sisters? Okay, good question. Well, yes, we are being assisted, shaped by many races. We're also being interfered with some races, okay? But yes, we do have ET assistance, and they would be mostly ETs that are either from the Pleiades 
or Arcturus, some sort of higher planetary consciousness that can contribute. Like Pleiadians basically donate a lot of healing energy to the planet. And so they would be inspiring people with new healing technologies. Uh, Arcturians are mostly interested in soul evolution. So they would be helping in that way. I don't see us being lifted off the planet like some people see. Although it could happen in a few places, I have to say. Um, people who belong to a particular race that are on Earth may have their soul family, their galactic family, come and get them. So that's a possibility. But yes, we are being assisted, but we're also being interfered with. Okay, great. Uh, Marie. Okay, wow, let's see. Which one? <laughs> okay, how about this? Uh, is evolving into the higher dimension something that just happens to us naturally? Or is there anything we can do to make it happen easier and quicker? Well, let's put it this way. Evolution is natural in the sense that there's different time cycles, there's different um, cosmic energies that go on that stimulate our DNA and stimulate our evolution. We can also evolve through, you know, world events like, for example, somebody, if you ask about climate change right now, if you ask about anything going on on the earth, everything's an opportunity for evolvement. But naturally, we do get it from cosmic forces. I think we're at a place right now, for example, we're at a place of purification. If you could label this time period, it's called the Great Cleanse. And that means that you, you're not really going to be able to avoid clearing your own consciousness. This is part of your own personal evolution. So advancement does have a lot to do with what you, what beliefs you have, what you hang on to, what you let go of. It can be easy in the sense of you can come into an acceptance of what's going on. Like the more you can accept what's happening and not try to fight it or resist it, or not get angry about it, the more you can flow and look into your own consciousness and see what beliefs do you have that relate to your reaction, the flow can be easier for you. But I, I think that like most of us, you may have days where you wake up and you feel, oh, joyful. Other days you may wake up and you might get this sense of doom. And all of those are appropriate, they're all happening. But the most important thing isn't that you always stay positive every single day because that would be a denial of the energies that are going on. It's it's more important that you can just be with the energies as they're occurring and maybe journal about them, journal about your feelings. So to answer your question, I don't see that there's any easy way to avoid doing your own great cleanse but we are stimulated by natural forces. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, thank you, Marie, for that. Now, Margaret, the Australian living in Wales. There I say it. It's, it's around about 70 degrees here and sunny. No. Go uh, away, Margaret. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, 
what is the most effective and reliable way of establishing two-way communication with off-planet family and friends? Well, there's a lot to that question they're saying. First of all, you have to ask yourself, is it appropriate for you to be having communication with off-planet beings? Number one. Number two, you have to have a high level of discernment to know who you're talking to. That's another just precaution. Number three, it'd be better to ask your own holy guardian angel, and everybody has one, if it's appropriate to connect with your galactic family or off-planet beings, and if so, how will you be able to do it? Okay, because it's really all about telepathy. You're how telepathic you can be with anything, um, how quiet you can be to receive. And there's a lot of off-planet beings who aren't willing to talk to us as well. Okay, but um, they're saying for you, Margaret, pen and paper is the best form for you. In other words, ask a question on paper. And, you know, there used to be exercise I used to do with people to unite both hemispheres of the brain. And that would be that you'd write a question with your right hand and you'd answer it with your left hand. Or whatever is your, whatever is your most dominant hand, that's what you write the question with. And whatever is your non-dominant hand, that's what you answer with. And don't worry if your writing's not great when you want to answer it. But in that way, you, you kind of bridge the two hemispheres of your brain so they start communicating with each, with each other. And you'll be surprised the kind of things that you answer. You know, what else is, I don't know why this is coming to me, but I'll tell you, an interesting child exercise to do is to get a, a puppet. You know, like my daughter has a monkey puppet that's uh, made from gunt, right? It's a full-body little monkey puppet. One day I was fooling around with that, and I put it on my hand, and I asked it a question. What came back out of that puppet's persona was a whole communication that they ended up having with, a, with another being. So that's a fun way to do it because you just kind of transpose yourself when you put a puppet on your hand and you'd be surprised what kind of answers that you get. So that's another way to do it. But do ask you, write, write to your holy guardian angel too and ask, is it appropriate for me to connect with off planet beings? If so, which ones? Okay, and then the second part is, you know, ask a question to those off planet beings. If you get a yes from your holy guardian angel, if you get a yes, ask the question with your non-dominant hand and answer it with your, no, ask a question with your dominant hand and answer it with your non-dominant hand. Because that starts to open up your brain a little more. Because yeah. it's really all about transmitting and receiving. And that's actually the function of our brains and there's no limit to the information we can receive. But you do have to kind of work at opening up those pathways. Can I mention here, and, and I genuinely don't want to sound like a commercial, but Angel Rose has done several workshops on um, journaling and has even written several papers and things about journaling and also included it actually in her book about manifesting. She, she knows about it. Yeah. No, I know you know about it, Margaret, but just for the benefit of others. The one, the, the one thing that I really got out of that was 
that how important it is to actually use a pen and paper. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm I'm using a pen and paper right now too to take these notes, rather than try to do it on an electronic device. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I come from a computer background. So to me, it's all about digitizing and computers and stuff. But yet, when I did that exercise that Angel Rose is talking about, where you physically write with a pen on paper, it is astonishing what happens. It, it, it really is. The, the flow of information and knowledge and the uncovering of answers that you didn't know were there is astonishing. And it's very different than anything you could write on a computer. So I just wanted to drop that in there. That's what she means when she says, write with your left hand or your right hand. But it means physically writing with a pen and paper. I can't even read it when it's my dominant hand, never mind my non-dominant. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Wait till you hear when I come to read this back, Margaret. It's a right jumble. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. All right, next we have Susan. Susan, do you want to go ahead with your question? Yes, yes, thank you. Um, when you were speaking of your question before that, I wondered, I felt badly for because of the fires that she's suffering now in California, Canada. And I wondered, I wondered about the purpose of that and how we could help her. Can you repeat it for me? Yeah. Let me just repeat that because there was a little bit of skip on the line there, Susan. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. She wants to know how is Gaia responding to the, the fires and the climate change that's going on? And is there anything that we can do to help her? And I'm assuming you mean not only fires, but any kind of climate change stuff that's going on. Yes. They were right. Fires. Right. Yeah. First of all, Gaia wants to say that that name for Earth is fourth dimensional Earth. It just wants to clarify that, that you're speaking to fourth dimensional Earth when they use the word Gaia. You know, Gaia is giving me the word regeneration. So basically, when we see fires and things that we get so upset over, Gaia or Mother Earth, let's say, views that as regeneration. In other words, there's no, it doesn't see these things as death, for example, because it's saying, you know, some trees actually reseed themselves by fire. Their, their seeds are released by fire. If you look at any kind of catastrophe that's happened on Earth in the past, areas that were wiped out by fire, you know, years later, there's orchids growing in the place or there's new growth. So it's not possible that we're destroying anything. It's a promotion of regeneration, if you can look at it from the bigger picture. Climate change, it's saying it's the result of the cycle. Um, humans are not causing climate change. This is the cycle we're in. Um, and the earth does renew itself every so many thousands of years. So basically, the only concern it has is about how well we can we adapt to these things. 
because it's telling us a lot of us won't last through this change. Okay. And even in that, it doesn't have any concern because your soul is evolving and you live forever. So I guess the feeling I'm getting from it is don't worry. Everything's okay. And life always renews itself. Don't view it as something terrible that's happening. Okay. Because this is just part of, part of nature, actually, it's saying. And even the fact that some species need fire to pop their seeds, for example, everything's in order. In other words, is what it's saying. Okay. It's humans that it would be more concerned about how well they can adapt and handle such things. But as you can see across the planet with all these storms, it's allowing us to rethink everything. Because if you look at the destruction from tornadoes, especially lately, and people have all this cleanup to do now, it's an opportunity to start over and re-examine how they're living and what they want for their life. So it's all good if you can look at it in the bigger picture and also in the bigger picture of evolution and progression. Wonderful opportunities. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Let uh, Unless Irene wants to ask the question, she did send her questions in earlier. I can ask it now. And I think we should because it's very similar, actually, to uh, the last question. And it's about healing the planet. How can we heal ourselves and others and the world? So it wants to reestablish that healing, all healing is the release from fear. In other words, all healing is really emotionally connected, first of all, okay? The world is, is fine. And I think it's interesting that the earth is saying, I don't need any healing, okay? I'm in my transition myself. I'm in a cycle. I've come back thousands of times. I've been, you know, taken down to bare bones and recycled. When you say, how do we heal our world, that more is about human consciousness. And I've already addressed that a little bit, but it is time for us to really look at our thoughts and beliefs because thought is creative. And what you emotionally react to is also very creative. So... It's time for us to examine, start our own cleansing and examination. And we don't need to project that there's something wrong with the world because there's nothing wrong with the world. Okay, it wants to really establish that. And a good example of that is that when COVID happened, we were in Ireland. We had just gotten to Ireland and we had planned on teaching all these workshops. And of course, within two weeks, we were all locked down and we couldn't go further than a mile from our property. In fact, there was no cars on the streets. There was no nothing. And what happened in Ireland was all of a sudden the waters cleared and the air cleared. And what I said to Ahana was, if you just stopped humans from doing all of their stuff, Mother Earth quickly repaired herself. So I think that makes a point that we don't understand the power that we're dealing with. And even with the destruction that's going on, 
underneath that, she's already repairing. Okay, so it's more important from what I'm getting from this is that we we heal ourselves and healing ourselves being becoming free from fear of all sorts. And that it requires um, close examination of our thoughts and feelings. Okay, great. All right, our next question will come from Francis. Okay, my question is about aliens. Um, where do they come from and where do they get their intelligence? <laughs> oh, easy one, Francis. Oh, great. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, well, they come from a lot of star systems. Um, no, there's there's um, a plethora of races out there that I couldn't name them all. I wouldn't even be able to downstep a lot of them, to be honest. And where do they get their intelligence? A lot, a lot of it has to do with a particular species, the galactic origin that it's at. Because, for example, on our planet, right, our intelligence is connected to um, adapt adaptation and evolution of this particular sphere. So in other words, if you went to Mars, you'd have different elements to contend with. You'd have different um, type of air. Okay, and you, therefore your brain would develop differently on Mars. So with a lot of these species, um, their intelligence has a lot to do with their environment. And that's basically the answer, the easy answer they want to give you. So it's it's like how their brain develops, and because of that, what they're privy to in terms of knowledge and intelligence. Circumstances different on every planet, okay? But we have a lot of many aliens that are here on Earth already. A lot of a lot of Pleiadians, a lot of reptilians, a lot of Arcturians, people from Orion. I mean, in our star system. Then there's people from Lyra. The Lyrans have been here at different times. So you have a plethora of them. They haven't always had permission to come here, but I think in the past maybe 15 years, they've been granted permission to come here. Reptilians have been here for a while, basically because they overtook parts of Earth. A lot of them have left, but some are still here, mostly underground, some in government. Okay. Um, so there's a wide variety. A soup. We're in an alien soup, but many of us are aliens. All right. Our next question from Shirley. Are there any other culture species that we cannot see right now because of levels of consciousness? Could you ask that question in another way, Shirley? Are you asking if there's other species on the Earth that we can't see? Yeah, it's like other continents around the Earth. Oh, I gotcha. We can't. Yeah, they're like cloaked and other I, species that inhabit those. How they're answering it is they're saying there's not there's not other physical continents, but there are 
for lack of a better word, land masses in overtones above the earth and also overtones beneath the earth. So there's there's that, but there's not more physical continents. Many beings are here that we can't see. We're surrounded by beings all the time. Okay, angelic beings, alien beings, um, your own higher self is takes on a particular form that you can't see. So yeah, does that answer the question? <laughs> That's what it does. Yes. Okay, okay great. All right, let's ask a question from Terry. And Terry was responding to a session that we did a few weeks ago where we were talking about fathers. And I understand the question that she wanted to ask, so let me phrase it in my own way. We were talking about fathers and grief. And the question was about how do men, as opposed to women, how do men not deal with grief in the same way as women. How does that help the soul growth of a man? Do you want to answer that? It's not sure I mean. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I have my own ideas about it, but I would like to know. Okay, repeat it again for either. Yeah. So considering the difference between men and women and how women cope with grief differently than men do, how is the way a man copes with grief helping with soul with their own soul growth? Well, first of all, there's a many ways. First of all, their heart gets broken. And there is something to be said about having your heart broken because it opens up a layer or a deep ability to feel if you don't censor it. Okay? So... So it cracks open the emotional body of a man, first of all, where normally it might suppress a lot of its emotions in general, in general, okay? The second thing is that if a man is wise, he'll understand that lives are out of, it's, how can I phrase this? Um, somebody's life is, is out of their control. Okay, in other words, and I think we all need to learn this lesson that, especially when you're a father, there's a sense of ownership over your offspring. And we have to understand that we don't own anybody or anything. That each soul comes in here with its own plan, with its own evolutionary desires, all decided much further before it ever came into this planet. Okay, so for a man... To understand, especially because men have a desire, natural desire to control and dominate in various ways. So it first needs to teach them that it's not their right. In other words, it's not a correct belief, first of all. Okay? And the other thing, like I said, is it breaks their heart. And that's a lot of how we become compassionate and humble is by having our hearts broken. Okay, so for men, that process may take something more drastic because they're so used to suppressing themselves. Right. Okay, that okay, makes yeah, sense that to you? That does make sense, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Claire, do you have a question for us? Uh, my question is about how uh, ET 
see life uh, on other planets because I cannot, I cannot understand the concept because because um, I read uh, Angus Rose book about the DNA. The DNA is something related to the soul itself because it's the event, like right? our record or the pattern of life in what we choose. But the concept of seeing life in other planets is something like, just like a, like we are, we are not proactive choosing our life, but instead we are seeded by other, you know, our races. So can um, can Angel explain what's the process of seeding life in other planets by ET? I get the sense, and perhaps we can just talk this out there. I get the sense that you perceive that humans, for example, are not in full control of their own destiny in that we may have been seeded by some something yes, else. Yes, yes. Yeah, for right. example, if we we are born into our family, we we as my understanding, we consciously choose the parents, right? We want yeah. to incarnate in. But however, seeding the concept of seeding life is something like a, we are not proactive choosing our life, but right. seeded by other beings. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would like to clarify how does that work? The seeding life in other planets. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. They're answering it in the sense that, like we talked about, atmospheres, for example, places. And environments, you know, when somebody asks the intelligence question, remember? Mm -hmm. So the same is true, Claire, with other planets. Like some species, it's just done by thought alone. Other planets do scientific experiments, other beings, okay? And they work with the elements that they have. Okay, for us, we had advanced DTs play with our DNA until they got a species that they were happy with. So it's different on every planet because every planet's environment is different and life actually comes from the elements of God, first of all. In other words, God is all that is. So God is everything you could ever imagine. So a lot of seeding happens from working with the elements that are out there. But each species, you know, some have learned to seed beings just through talk, just through thought alone. Two beings maybe agree to produce this offspring, and so they they have a thought and desire about it. Okay, other beings go through the sexual reproduction process. Other being goes through science alone. Okay, so all of those things come into play depending on where it is and who it is, and how long they've been around. Like it's unfortunate even in our world right now, when we look at that whole genetic seeding type of a thing, that how and I have talked about this, that we have scientists now who are trying to reproduce dinosaurs from DNA. Well, we can look at that and say, how ridiculous, why would you ever want to do that? How crazy. But yet it's a possibility because they know enough about genetics now and DNA for now, it's an experiment where they're going to try to reproduce a, a dinosaur, for example. I think the beings that created the human body are long gone on this planet. I don't believe they're here at all anymore. But what I can see does happen with the human, that even though it was genetically modified at times, there is life force energy within us that is God energy that has its own pattern in its own design okay something could have created us this particular way right and a lot of our 
intelligence and how we survive here is all dictated by our environment. Okay, however, there still is a divine spark within us that can go beyond all of those limitations if we choose to focus on it and meditate on it and evolve ourselves. So that's how it happens here. Other places, they use various ways to seed. Some plants, too, are just controlled by other beings. Some haven't, some, some haven't evolved at all. Some don't even have life on them at all. But it's done in a variety of ways, depending on the beings, the environment, and their motivation. Let's put it that way. But it's good to know that we, what it's telling us is us as humans have a divine spark within us that is really limitless, despite what other beings have tried to do with our species. Okay, Hasio, do you have a question for us? Hi. Hi. So nice to see you both. Well, I Thank have you. something that occurred to me. Um, I don't know if it's a legal question, but I'll I'll ask it. So um, as a child, I, um, I remember just being fascinated that everything stays in the same place, like locations. Like I was just so kind of enamored with the idea that I had a home on the planet and it was always going to be there. And it made me think that I wonder if I came from, you know, another place that that seems so amazing to me, if you have a comment, if that's a legal question. Well, it is more of a personal question. Hasio. Yeah, you don't okay. have to answer it. Okay, well, let me just see what they say about that. Well, you know, just for, I'll answer you real quick, just so you know, for further information, that's a personal question. But okay. you yourself, you yourself have been many places in the universe. Planet Earth is probably the densest place you've ever been. So for you to see things in such solidity is kind of a, a wonder for you because you've been, like I get a lot of water around you, so I feel like you've been in places that are more fluid, more ethereal, and this is the most solid that you've ever experienced. So I think you like Earth for that reason. It's a little bit more stable than other places that you've been. So I think that's why you like it. That's the answer real quick. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. I thought it was kind of interesting for everyone. That's why I asked it, but I wasn't sure. Anyway, thank you so much. You're good, welcome. Good, good. You're welcome. Okay, Monica. Uh, if Monica is not there, let me slip in a question. Okay, this is a question that, a second question that Irene had earlier. What is the highest form of money or commerce that God wants us to use? Love. <laughs> okay. That's the answer, just a second. It's a serious answer, but now it, it will deal with it on a more mundane level. Okay, just a second. It's making the point to tell us that there's no magic in money. And there's no magic in any form of physical exchange of money. 
There is only magic in exchanging through love. So in other words, it doesn't really care about the material form of money that we use because it's there's no magic in it. When it means magic, it means there's no real life force energy ex exchanged. There's nothing that promotes any sort of higher energy for anybody with that. It's not saying that it's terrible. It's just saying it's it's just kind of dormant in terms of its potential or power. So it doesn't really have an opinion about the forms we use. Basically, it's telling us we can try all kinds of forms of currency. But until we get to the truth that love is the only currency, we still won't have it. We still won't understand. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh... Okay, I'm here. Monica's here, if that's okay. Go for, yeah. go for it, Monica. Okay, so I'm just so excited and fascinated by all the near-death experiences that we hear about and how people, when they come back, they have all these heightened senses, healing powers, and a deep sense of knowing and wisdom. So my question is, are near-death experiences planned with our guides before we come into our physical bodies, or is it a divine intervention from source? It's a really good question. Hang on. Well, they're, they're putting it under the heading of activations, and they're saying that some of them are planned, and that timing of those sorts of things is perfect. In other words, not a moment before, not a moment after, that if someone's due to be activated, the timing of it is planned, okay? So I don't see it's divine intervention. I see that it's a soul plan for a time of activation if needed, depending on the soul plan of the person. And near-death experiences are a way for people to be activated and people to evolve if they're not doing it naturally. So I think it's a plan. In other words, I before I come in here, I might say, okay, if I haven't understood X, Y, Z by the time I'm 40, you can intervene in some way. And that's my soul plan. And indeed, that has happened in my life. Not a near-death experience, but another type of activation. But I understood at that time that it was perfect timing. In other words, it was set up that way by my soul. So I don't think it's divine intervention. I think it's a plan. Mm -hmm. And I contribute to that. There's, there's a friend of ours many years ago and had four near-death experiences. And I mean, it's it's shocking enough to meet anybody who has had one near-death experience. This guy had four. And I remember both of us were absolutely stunned and fascinated by all of them. But what was interesting was that it, it, it seemed that each one was designed to prepare the way for his learning and knowing and growth of knowledge for the next one. Angular was mentioned about them being activations. It's like as if he needed to be activated on this level first, and then he needed this next activation, and then he needed this next activation. So it was. I found that very interesting. But in his case, he wasn't activated. 
because if you remember when he told us he was above the earth, he saw the light off in the distance that people it, talk it, about, but he chose not go, to go there because he was afraid. He was afraid of judgment. So he never went to the light. Yes. But what I mean is that when he came back, he realized that he had fear in him and that fear was preventing. So he, he re resolved the fear issue. And then the next near death presented itself. So that but he, it took him like three before oh, he yeah, actually went. It did. It allowed himself to go further. Yes. And eventually he did go all the way. Okay. Uh, let's take a question from Marta. So I have a, I, I, I was, it's a kind of a curiosity question. Um, so um, let me see if I can say it correctly. Um, so say in um, texts um, like the Bible that there, say with um, Paul, uh, had an experience when he was in Rome in prison um, where um, Luke, he, he told the warden, the warden's daughter was dying. I don't know if anybody saw this film, but the warden's daughter is dying. And so um, no one could heal, none of the Romans could heal her. And so he asked Luke, who is his friend and a, and a healer, to heal her, even though the warden was causing their friends to die and doing these horrible things to their friends. And um, Luke didn't really want to do it, but he said it was an act of love, so it was very important. And so they did heal her. He did heal her, and I want and um, I wondered um, because of other incidents too if that act of love would have a genetic effect on the um, on the warden. I'm just going to use English words on the warden. Um, you know, so it would have an effect um, through through time. Would the act of love does does an act of love like that, that it will always be remembered because of the, because it was an act of love, not just because it was a feeling of love, it was an act of love. Does that change our genetics? Great question. Very interesting question. Okay. So in terms of your question, yes, an act of love can change genetics. It can alter all sorts of things in the body. But more than that, I think an act of love Remember, source when somebody asked the question about money, was saying that there was no magic in money, but there's magic in love. So we have to think of it in that way that love is the actual presence of God. There's no distinction between love and source, they're, they're the same thing. Okay, so and that's when people have near death experiences too. That's where they go, they go into this incredible love, and that's what heals them. So it is true that encountering true, pure love, okay, can alter many, many things. But in that instance story that you're talking about, there are times when somebody's not supposed to be healed. And that has and that has to do with their soul plan. There are times when people arrange certain things for themselves on a soul level. But in that case, obviously a shift was appropriate. So, yes, love does change. Love heals everything, in other words, real love, because it is the same as God. It's kind of interesting because if I, when I think of that, I think about how it sort of like alters sort of the streams within humanity. Right. Those act of love. So, I think that's interesting. Yeah, it does. 
Yeah, that's a very good question. If I could just pop in my own experience about that, Marta. Back, I think, around about 2012, we I was doing, at the time, uh, spirit art and what I called ancestral healing art. And what I found was that the art that I would do for certain people not only had that love quality that helped them heal, but also it appeared to heal generationally, which was an astonishing thing. And we had this verified from various people saying that to us. But my own question was at the time and still is, can that heal generationally going forward? And my guess is that, well, obviously, because if you can heal ancestrally, then you must be able to heal going forward. Well, whatever you do in the present moment does affect the future anyway. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, we are up against the hour. And unless anybody has a quick question they want did to we pop get in. Everybody? Yeah, we did get everybody. Does anybody want to ask a quick question before I read a little review of what we've covered today? I think everybody's good. We got Everybody got at least one question in. Okay, uh, Angel Rose started off today by seeing the color red, purple, and blue. And the blue was to do with communication and spiritual information. And the purple was about suffering. So I guess it was an indication of the kinds of questions that were going to come up. The red was about being hot, and that may have to do with the temperature here in, in Phoenix, exactly. Arizona. <laughs> Who knows? But however, Stephen, uh, we asked the first question on behalf of Stephen, where he was asking about conflict in around the world, China and Russia and all the kind of threatening that's going on. And Angel Rose said, we're in a planet of transition and conflict is a consequence rather than a plan. So it's not God's plan to have conflict. It's a great opportunity, she said, for humanity to create the world we want to see. And we can expect a lot of change, not stability. And the reason is because it does demand our attention which is a good thing. So we're learning from the change that we're perceiving. Kim asked a question about dogs coming back as animals or humans. Can they reincarnate as humans? And Rose replied, yes, they do. And they come back as animals and people with specific soul purposes. They have many more lives than us, which is a blessing for them in that sense. Ilona asked about uh, ETs with all change are we assisted with all earth change? I'm sorry. Are we assisted by ETs? Yes, we are. By family races. Okay. I just want to add to that and say that we have to be careful because ETs don't have permission to fix things for us. We can be assisted, but they won't do it for us. And I think that's an important thing to put in here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, because she said we are being assisted in that sense by family, uh, by many races who are also being interfered with. The Pleiadians donate healing and Arcturians, for example, help with soul activation. But it is up to our own. Yeah, we all have choice. a choice. Choice. Yeah. Okay. Marie asked about evolving something that happens naturally. 
evolution is natural. Nature stimulates our evolution. We also evolve through cosmic forces, climate change, etc. We can't affect. Uh -huh. Now, Margaret, there you go. There's my scribbles. <laughs> we can't always. I'm sorry. I may. I may leave that. The next line says we're in the great cleanse, and it's most important to engage with it. Margaret asked a question about what is the most effective way to communicate with off-planet family, and is it appropriate to connect with them? And Angel Rose said, you have to have discernment. You have to ask your holy guardian angel to guide and protect us. And then she mentioned about the journaling aspect of it, about using the pen and paper. She also mentioned about the possibility of using a puppet for a fun way to transcend those perceived boundaries, that it can open up that communication inside yourself. Susan asked about Gaia and the fires and how can we help Mother Earth. Gaia is the name of Earth in the fourth dimension. Gaia is regenerating. It doesn't see climate change as death. There's always regeneration going on. Humans are not causing climate change. The question is how well we adapt to it. Our souls and Earth are evolving life and always renews itself. Don't view it as disaster. Everything is in divine right order. Irene then led the question about healing the world and Angelo said that all healing is a release of fear. Mother Earth heals herself and us and we don't yet understand her power. Francis asked about aliens. Where do they get their intelligence? And Rose replied with the plethora of races that intelligence comes from their galactic origin. And it means our intelligence comes from Earth. And brain development is from their environment. There are many races in our environment too where they have adapted and more have been given permission to come lately, especially since 2012. Shirley asked about seen and unseen continents. Are there cloaked species on continents that we can't see? And then Rose replied, there are land masses in overtones above and below the earth, but no physical continents that we don't know about. Terry asked, uh, where she was repeating a question that I had asked many time, many uh, weeks ago about fathers and grief. And the reply was that grief opens up deep feelings. It creates cracks in the persona. It, it opens the heart. And uh, somebody else's life is outside of our own control. And we need to let go of that belief that we own our children. There is no ownership of another because each being is on its own soul journey. And a broken heart can lead to soul growth. Claire asked also about ET seeding life on other planets. The environment and the atmosphere and the elements all contribute to the seeding of life on all planets. ETs master the process of seed implantation in a hospitable environment to support life. And if we choose 
we can go outside of our environment. Hasio asked about being a child and being fascinated with how things stayed in the same location. We have been in many places in the universe and on Earth. But the Earth is the most solid that she has ever experienced. Perhaps that's true for most of us too. Irene asked about love. Um, uh, she asked about the different forms of currency, the highest form of currency. And Gilrose pointed out that love is the highest form of currency. There is no magic in any form of exchange of money. The only magic happens in the exchange of love. Love is the only true currency. Monica asked about near-death experiences and heightened senses. And are all NDEs planned? NDEs are activations and things are planned perfectly. Marta, which was our last question, asked about the Bible text where Paul was in prison in Rome and told the warden his daughter was dying and that it was an act of love to heal her. Does this have a genetic effect on his family through the generations? An act of love changes genetics. Love is the actual presence of God. It is the love that heals and can heal generationally. A soul plan can be chosen to prevent the realization of real love too. Okay, that brings us to the end of our session. really want to thank you most sincerely. Um, we've mentioned before, and needs to be said again, that a lot of times it is the presence of you people here that create the environment with your, with your being that allows also for a lot of these answers to come forth. So we thank you most sincerely. And let me close officially. Okay. Wonderful to see you all and hear you all. Thank you so much for attending. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the day. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. And bye bye. Bye bye. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on our website at wordofempowerment.com. Don't miss an episode. Hit the subscribe button now.